Greetings, one and all, wherever you are in the universe, and welcome to an espresso shot of confidence, the podcast that explores all aspects of confidence, challenges to booze and unhelpful narratives, and empowers you to be awesome, loudly and proudly. It's time for you to grab a drink and settle in for the next however long this episode is. I'm your host, the master of awesomeness, Ashley Griffiths, and today we'll be talking all things confidence and limiting beliefs. So when was the last time you stopped yourself taking action because you were worried about a negative outcome? Something that happens almost every single day to someone in the world. A fear of judgment, a fear of the unknown, imposter syndrome can all keep you playing small and having a huge amount of anxiety as a result. The good news is, that you have all the resources you need to change this narrative and achieve your goals. So who better to talk to about this than Van der Varga, a tour guide to your mind who helps her clients work on their mental fitness and find their own potential in all avenues of life using NLP-based coaching and hypnotherapy. As Vanda likes to say, everyone's growth looks different. So let's dive into it. Hey, Vanda, how are you going? Hello, Ash. I'm very well, thank you. Fabulous. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. The sun is shining, the sky is blue, and I'm talking to you. What more is there to love? Ah. How about that? <laughs> cool. <laughs> so could you tell the wonderful listeners a little bit about who you are? Well, you said a lot, didn't you? <laughs> you said everything. I, I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, so I am Vanda and I am a tour guide to your mind. Um, basically, my mission is to help people understand what is going on in here, in your head and in your heart, in your mind as well, and what connections you have there. So my mission is that because I believe that once you understand what's going on in there then and you have a few techniques and tools in your tool bag, then you will be able to manage your mental fitness long term. And yes, this is what I love doing. Fabulous. And, and how did you get into all of this? How long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> we have time. We have all the time in the world. Oh, brilliant. Mate. So, um, I'm a neuro rehab specialist by trade, which means that I work, worked in a system called conductive education, which is an education approach towards rehabilitation. So I'm specialized in working with people with Parkinson's stroke, MS, head injury, cerebral palsy, all those things that are neurological and have happened in your brain or in your neurological system in, around your spine and have a physical implementation in your body. So the way how we used to work there was um, utilizing something that's called the neuroplasticity. So your brain's ability to rewire itself. And if it can rewire itself, then we can speed up the process or we can do it intentionally. So that's what I used to do. And I absolutely loved every minute of it. And I really thought that I was born to do that. And there was nothing else out there for me to do. I loved it so much that I kept ignoring something that was always there, which is a long-standing back problem. Okay. And uh, I kept rushing it under the carpet, saying, mind over body, I'm young, I can just do this. And I kept ignoring it, kept ignoring it. And as we know, our subconscious mind, if we ignore it, it's just going to keep coming back louder and louder and louder, which it did. So because I wasn't listening, it made sure that I did listen and it put me to bed with a slip disc. Yes, exactly. And I was there and I was absolutely devastated and I didn't know what to do and where to go. And after a sub substantial amount of pity party <laughs> and licking my wounds and feeling really sorry for myself, I actually, you know, just shook it off and I was like, no, I have to do something different. I won't be able to do that long term even if I get out of this bed. So I have to look for something else. And this is when I started actively looking for something that I could transfer my field of expertise into without the physical strain on my body. And that's when I found NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, based on neuroplasticity, your brain's ability to rewire itself. And if it does that, why wouldn't we do it intentionally? Match made in heaven, really. Um, and yeah, this is how it all started. Then I moved from rehabilitation into mental fitness and helping people with what's happening here. Fabulous. 
Fabulous. It's funny in life, isn't it, really, that it will take that. There's that one moment that will just get you into action. And, and as humans, we like that to be usually to be something that doesn't feel great. <laughs> They're kind of like, <laughs> wake up. Why do you have to wait that long, you see? I already knew I had this issue. I just wasn't listening. Well, that taught me a lesson. Definitely did. Now I do listen to whatever my body is telling me or my subconscious through my body. Sure. We'll come back to that shortly. Mm. But just for anyone out there that isn't familiar with this, you, you mentioned that you use neurolinguistic programming in your work. And I know when, and I've done your training um, back in back last year. And one of your fun activities, as you like to call them, is to get the participants to describe NLP in their own words in a way that other people can understand. So I'm going to flip the script here and ask you to do just that. Touche, mister. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. That's, that's really a great question. So when it comes to it, I could tell you about how NLP is the user guide to the brain and to the mind. And that would be very true. And I could also tell you about how us as individuals all perceive the life in life and everything that's happening to us in very, very different ways. Because we all have different life experiences. We view events through different filters or lenses, if you like. Um, so there are many different factors that will define us in, men, in, in different neurological levels. So every human experience is going to be subjective and very differently structured. And NLP is the study of that structure. So how do we do what we do and how do we perceive the world? And it's also a study of excellence. So that's the textbook book answer, if you, if you like. But if you ask me, someone who's been living the NLP way for a, for a number of years now, <laughs> I would say NLP is nothing more but pure magic. Love that. It's not in the sense of, you know, I get my magic wand here and I wave it around and everything disappears. That would be absolutely amazing. It's not kind, not, not, not quite like that, but it does feel like it sometimes. Hmm. I call it pure magic because all you need to benefit from NLP is a brain. You need a brain, you need a mind, and you need an open mind. You need an attitude of curiosity towards learning and a want or a commitment to making a change that will serve you longer term. And once you have all these, NLP is there to support you in making the changes you want to make in your life. Hmm. And when you understand how it works and choose to implement all that, it becomes the most powerful tool that you can use, <laughs> really. You to turn your own mind into your own resident best friend and your greatest ally, really. And that, for me, is magical. Oh, absolutely. And it is magical. I mean, as somebody who's experienced it myself, it's truly magical, that, that moment. I mean, you, you've seen it, you know, when you've done the courses, that reaction from the people that go through it. Oh, but when or when you are using NLP with a friend, a client, whatever, that moment you just see that ding, in it, in their body language, in their eyes, in, in whatever it is that it's showing up as, and they're just like, oh, my I God. I think you, you just summed it up. This is exactly it. This is what I love about NLP, whether I work one-to-one -one with somebody or I do the NLP practitioner trainings, is those lightboard moments oh my God, yes, it can be different. It can be, it can be easy. I can do it in, in a different way that can serve me even more. And when people actually have those libel moments and really feel that oh, I can change things, I can have it the way how I want it. Now, that's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. And it's special. And I think, again, just kind of coming back to what you said earlier on about that, the human condition of waiting almost for the bad stuff to happen, the burnout, mm -hmm. getting fired or because, you know, you stuck into a, a job for ages and you just kind of half-assed it mm -hmm. because you were just going through the motions, um, a relationship, you know, all of those things. You know, how can kind of NLP practices or having more awareness, as you called it, 
of the signs how can people use that to stop it reaching crisis point so when it comes to defining your life and defining your destiny you can basically be at two different places you can either be at the cause of everything that's happening to you or you can be at the effect of everything that's happening to you and a lot of people spend an awful amount of their time perceiving, just listen to that, but perceiving that they are at the effect of everything that's happening to them. And this is when we blame others and external factors. This is where we find excuses. This is where we find reasons why we cannot succeed. This is where we always ask the question, so why is it happening to me? Why am I in this position? Why is everybody else out to get me? This is where you decided that you just can't, you won't succeed. And then there is the flip side of, st- of that. When you are at the, at the cause of what is happening, you come back to you because it all starts and finishes with you. <laughs> and this is when you take responsibility for your actions. You start taking actions. You start asking different questions instead of why is it happening to me? You start asking, so what can I do about it? Yes, it is happening. We know we can't control everything. It is happening. What can I do about it? How can I make it work for me? This Mm. is where there there are no excuses. There is no failure, only feedback. You can either succeed or learn. You heard me saying that a few times, haven't you? And and this is this is where you decide that it, no matter what, I am going to succeed because I can. Yeah. And what NLP does is it brings you back from the effect of everything that's happening to you to the cause where you can take charge, you can take control of whatever you can, which isn't the external factors. It's whatever is happening inside you. Yeah. How you not react, but respond to the situation at hand. And you know that, yeah, I won't be able to control everything and that's okay. But I will take responsibility for what I can. Yeah. That's, that's NLP in a nutshell. And it's very empowering, isn't it? At the moment you stop being acted upon um, because you are constantly looking at things from an external lens. You're like, well, it's the, you know, it's the pandemic's fault. It's the cost of living fault. Exactly. It's the LinkedIn algorithm's fault. <laughs> Whatever it is that that is upsetting you. Uh-huh. So when you start thinking about things about, okay, so what can I do in this situation? How can I influence this situation? How can I get a result from this situation? And as you said, I mean, this has become my mantra ever since since I first heard you say it. There is no failure. There's only feedback. Um, And it's true. There are always solutions there. There are always learnings. And, And from those learnings, you can, you can push forwards, right? Of course you can. That's, it's a very, very different attitude, isn't it? Towards life. And when you know that you can't fail, because there isn't such thing as failure, you can only learn or succeed or do both at the same time, yeah. then all oh, the pressure is off. So then this is when, when those confidence issues and that fear of failure or fear of success doesn't stop you mm-hmm. anymore. Because you know that I can't do that anyway, so that's very <laughs> good. I can just go and whatever happens, happens. It's either what I wanted or something better or it's something that is there for me to learn from. Yeah, we, I hear you with that. I, I often refer to that as like happy accidents. Exactly. I like mm. that, the happy accidents. Yeah, no, and that be that with creating something or mm. if you actually talk to a lot of people and you ask them, okay, so how did you get into your line of work? Usually it's, well, I was doing this and that didn't work out. So I then found this because I talked to this person as a result mm. of this and then I ended up doing it. It's like, yeah. so there wasn't a master plan. No, no, not really. <laughs> that's, actually, that's actually how I walked into um, into this whole rehabilitation world. I didn't know anything about the world whatsoever. I was just very drawn to that university that was called the Petter Institute. I didn't. I, the only thing I knew there was one little line in a very thick book of colleges and universities, and all I knew that it was working. You know, the the, the Petter method was working with 
children with cerebral palsy so disabled children great let's give it a go and i just felt drawn to it and mm-hmm. i didn't know anything about it until the first day when i was uh, when, when we went to register to start our university course and there they told us that oh by the way uh, in about half an hour you're going to be in practical and oh like, wow what is going on and, and it turned out that the, the practical was on the other side of the city of budapest which is quite a big city so we had to go to the other side to actually get into into those sessions so we ran and we got on the tram and the bus and everything and then we got there and as soon as we arrived i walked into that room and i was just just there with my literally my mouth open just looking (laughs) and in about 10 minutes i felt i'm home this is it okay so it was purely by chance it's about intuition it's about my gut feeling really told me to to actually do after that i go after that and a lot of times though that's one thing people ignore right Mm, that's right. So what advice would you give to people that maybe get more in touch with that intuition? Oh, there are many, many different techniques to do that. And you can actually uh, grow that feeling inside you and you can test it out. Was my gut feeling right? Was it not right? Um, a, a very, very good thing to do is to actually look back in your past and think about all those times when you felt something and you went against it. How did that turn yeah. out to be? And when you when you find these examples, this is when you can go there. Okay, so what was that feeling that I felt and I ignored? Yeah. And tune into that feeling. Tune into that feeling. In many cases, it's somewhere in your stomach or butterflies, or you can call it gut feeling. You can call it so many different things. For some people, it's a niggling thought at the back of your head. For some people, it's coming from the solar plexus and the chest. It, it will be different for everybody. It's mainly that gut feeling somewhere mm. here this is why we call it a gut feeling don't we because it's somewhere in your stomach but it's it's about that it's about finding that feeling and tuning into it and seeing what are you trying to tell me yeah. and even if you don't understand what it's telling you at the time just trust it and say sure. you know what i can tell that something is not right i'm just gonna not i'm just i'm just not going down that road yeah and then it's going to prove itself to you Absolutely. Absolutely. It's there to protect you, isn't it? <laughs> well, that's what it's all there, isn't it? I think, again, like when we talk about NLP, that there's a positive intention behind every behavior. and Every thought, every feeling. Yeah, and knowing that, and I've been talking about this a lot in my content recently about, like, for example, the reasons that people might not create videos or might not create content on social media or might not pitch their business to somebody that they know in their heart would love (laughs) hello becky (laughs) sorry my little dog just appeared (laughs) there we go you know we were talking about magic and uh pecky vander's dog <laughs> just appeared like out of nowhere out of almost thin air bless her <laughs> <laughs> yeah love it love it so yes yeah, so i was i was talking about that the how people wouldn't do that and and usually there's that fear of rejection mm. and our brain is kind of hardwired almost to like avoid that that social rejection uh because we we want acceptance we want to feel liked and understood and seen and heard so it's it's very easy to kind of tell why people might hold back mm. yeah that that whole fear thing and every every negatively labeled feeling I love what, how you said that every every behavior, every thought, every feeling does have a positive intention behind it, or it does have a really important function for us. And in most cases, it will be to protect us. Mm-hmm. So when we look at negatively labeled words, I don't believe they are negative, but negatively labeled words, feelings and thoughts like anger, sadness, fear, guilt, jealousy, every single one of them has a really positive intention very important function for us while it's at a little marble size level now for instance when we have fear we have fear to make sure that we stay away from danger we have guilt to make sure we don't commit a crime we have anger to make sure we are not a pushover it's always there to protect us one way or another 
Now, the problem is, it isn't with the actual marble size feeling. The problem is when we start wrapping it around the stories. All yeah. those stories that we tell ourselves. And then it grows into this huge elephant of emotion. So sure. not the feeling, that emotion that then sits on you and stops you from breathing. And that's that fear, the excessive amount of fear that you are talking about. Yeah. And as soon as it grew into the elephant, you've lost your marble. That's it. <laughs> I hear you. It could be. It just becomes so much, doesn't it? These stories and and like you were saying earlier on about that that the cause and effect, asking what is possible. Right. If you're in that place of, of of fear, you're not asking. You're like, okay, well, I could fall on my face. Um, the world could explode. Um, and just thinking about it, going into that place, I just noticed my body language immediately, like and my, my tonality speed up because it's just wrapped in anxiety. That's right. But it's possible to switch that question, isn't it? Like by asking absolutely. what is possible. What is possible? And it, absolutely, you are absolutely right. And because our, our energy will flow wherever we point our attention, won't it? Yeah. We are all very, very good at asking the question, what if something mm. that happens? What if I fall? What if I fail? What is it does if it doesn't go the way how I wanted it to? What if everybody laughs at me? But do we ever ask the question, what if it goes right? Yes. What if I actually do succeed? What if everybody loves it and they're going to stand up and applaud me for whatever I said? What if I see all those smiles in the audience? It's all about what we are putting our minds to, because if you tell yourself that I want to see that I'm failing and nobody likes it and everybody's laughing, then your attention will go there, won't it? You've yeah. just given a very direct instruction to your subconscious mind that it needs to look out for all the negatives. Whereas if you then start thinking about what if it goes right? What if everybody smiles? What if there are people clapping? Then your attention will go there. And your yeah. subconscious will look for every single person in the audience who is actually smiling, who is actually clapping, who is laughing at a great joke that you actually did. Not at you, but with you. Yeah. yeah it's a powerful yeah, shift, isn't it? You know, yes. by taking control of that narrative, mm -hmm. all of a sudden uh, that it becomes so much more empowering more positive and you're in a place to learn i mean you were in a place to learn anywhere but i think that you you i think the mind is less narrow focused when you're more open to the possibilities you're like okay, okay. all right well maybe and even if something didn't go so well so say you're doing a presentation for example and and some of it fell a little flat mm. but 75% of it went well mm -hmm. when you're in that space you're in a place to go okay well 75 percent of it went really well the feedback's really good but you're in a much better place to, to look at that 25 percent right it's that isn't it the stronger you are the easier it is to look at everything that happened and didn't go quite well and see it as feedback yeah. Like the little gift of feedback. I used this analogy with you before, haven't I? Yeah. It's, it's, it's about seeing feedback, whatever comes back from the world or from other people or even from ourselves, from our own body or mind soul. See it as feedback. And when, when, when I look at feedback, I look at it as a little gift. And that gift for me is a round gift with, with blue wrapping paper and a red bone on top. Yeah. And what I think about this feedback is that because it's a gift, I get to decide what I do with it. Yes. I can unwrap it straight away and see what is inside, not knowing what will be there. And then either be surprised pleasantly or disappointed. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. Or mm -hmm. I can put it aside for a bit and say that I'm not quite in the right mindset to open that gift at the moment. And when or if I decide to open it, because you might as well decide to chuck it in the, in the bin, because it's not a gift for you or you don't like where it was coming from. But if, if you decide to open it, you still get to decide what you're going to do with what you find inside. Are you going to try it all on and see if it works for you? Or are you going to say that mm, these bits aren't, they can go in the bin, but that bit can be something really good. So I'm going to try it on and see how it works. Or are you going to look at it and say that the whole thing is going in the bin? I don't want it. 
Oh, you say such a great gift. I'm going to pass it around and give it to everybody else. Yeah. Or you say that it's a gift, fantastic gift, not for me. I'm not going to try it on, but it will be really good for somebody else and re-gift it. Yeah. It's all about timing and being in the right mindset, isn't it? Our mindset is absolutely key mm. uh, for everything, really. Um, yeah, you don't have to convince me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But in terms of anybody who's listening out there, we, 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 you know, in the business world, LinkedIn, mm. any form of the kind of modalities that involve any sort of change management, um, psychology, we often hear this term mindset. And people talk about things like growth mindset, a positive mindset, a negative mindset. But what what is it? What is a mindset? I mean, how would you describe that? I, I believe it's, it's all that I explained about being at the cause or being at the effect. That's about having a set mindset or a growth mindset, isn't it? What are you going to do with your life? What is your yeah. attitude towards life? don't need to call it mindset you can call it attitude we all have an attitude don't we yeah. it's either a good attitude or something that people don't like or you don't like <laughs> it can be so many different kinds but it's about that it's it's deciding where you want to be in your own life understanding that you are the writer of that book nobody <laughs> else is and if you write with black pen and it's all boring and it's on blaming others and it's all miserable that's up to you or you get to choose my favorite color and write with a yellow pen <laughs> and start writing with that color and think about, oh, beautiful color. What can I do with it? What are the opportunities? Where can I go in my life? That for me is mindset. It's their attitude. Yeah. Love that. I love that. And I think when you take that, and we're going to move into a subject near and dear to my heart now, when, when you take those ideas and you run with them, and you take the gifts, you look for the feedback, you look for the learnings, and then you keep going, refining along the way as required. That helps you develop confidence, confidence in who you are, what you're about, your mission, the fact that you've chosen something you actually believe in and you're getting positive feedback from that. It's like, yes, this is working or whatever way you want to look at that. But again, confidence is something that has one million and one different definitions. Um, if you just do a Google search right now, you're going to get, well, it's this, it's that, and a whole host of motivational quotes. But I'd be interested to hear how you would define confidence. Hmm. The confidence for me is something that can't be external. It can't be something that others give you. Nobody will give it to you. You need to develop it inside you, don't you? There's mm -hmm. something that's very, very much internal. It's the inner confidence, isn't it? And for me, confidence is, is that deep trust of your skills, of your capabilities, of your values, your belief system, your, your, what you stand for, your purpose. is believing so deeply in yourself but the question isn't that, uh, yes, I, I have confidence so everybody's going to love me. No, what you see there is it doesn't matter if they don't. It's not about everything is going to be great and candies and rainbows. It's about it doesn't matter if it isn't. I can cope. I can deal with it. I can just face whatever comes next and I'll be okay. Because you trust yourself. You trust all your skills, your vibes, your capabilities, everything that I just said. And what I also find very interesting is that people think that I, one day I'm just going to wake up full of confidence. And it doesn't work like that, does it? And that's because I think it was it's, uh, Harry Ford who said that the, the feelings of confidence come after the action of confidence. Yeah. You need to do something first for that confidence to build. And the more you do things, the more you do things, the more you do things, confidence comes. You sure? It won't come from within the four walls, will it? Unless your work is actually happening within the four walls. But if you just sit on the on the couch and do absolutely nothing, it's not going to come. But once you start doing, you have that growth mindset, you have the you are at cause, you have that attitude that we were talking mm -hmm. about. 
this is where confidence will come from, won't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Cause, effect, action, reaction. You know, like you do something, something happens. And I think the, I think a lot of the time, the narrative, and again, I think this really goes into what you were saying about being very, very, very clear on who you are. I mean, a lot of the narratives out there is like you can just literally click your fingers or buy a course or <laughs> um, take a magic pill or whatever. You can buy it. <laughs> Absolutely. The action of buying is the first step. Well, it might not even be the first step. It could be the second or third, depending on where they are in their journey. But at some point, you need to take responsibility and take some action. That's right. And... The re and, and also, I think, have that awareness that just because you've taken one action, the results will not necessarily be instantaneous. In some things, they are, depending on the situation, how where you were that got you to that moment. You might be literally at a tipping point and that taking that one action puts you over the edge, hence overnight successes and things. Um, but you need to take action. and. And I know some of the things that stop people taking action, and I know these are areas that you've talked about quite a bit um, in your world, are things like fears that we've already kind of touched upon and something called limiting beliefs. That's right. These limiting beliefs that stop people from taking action. So how would you define limiting beliefs and where do they come from? okay if we put the whole belief thing into perspective first sure move into limiting beliefs good then just entertain me for a moment i'm going to come up with my fantastic onion theory <laughs> as i said to do and <laughs> yeah see when it comes to human being i look at you and i look at myself and every single person every single human being as onions and again it's not because we stink or because we make people cry. It's all about having different layers. And we all have different layers, don't we? So when you look at an onion, you have that out, outer layer, the dirty one, the rusty one that's there, imposed the, the, the elements really and get bombarded by all sorts of things around it. So that's the layer that we call your environment. And when you go deeper, this is where you will find your habits and your behaviors. So what you do, where you do it. When you go even deeper, this is when you will find your how. How you do what you do, where you do it. So this is where you find your skills and your capabilities. Going even deeper, this is where you will find your values and your belief system. And we're going to come back to that in a moment. When you go even deeper, right at the middle of the onion, this is where you will find your identity. And we all have different identities. We have an identity as a person, as a human being, as a male, female, or something different, as a as a partner, as a, a parent, as a son, a daughter, a colleague, a friend, a manager, or professional, whatever that will be. All of them will align somehow. So that's your identity, which is driven by your purpose if you believe in it or your spirituality your religion some people call it god and some people don't believe in that part at all and that's mm -hmm. okay it depends on your map of the world and it's all to be respected isn't it what we can all agree on is that we all have the other layers we all have beliefs we all have values we all have behaviors we all have an environment don't we and we have skills and capabilities as well don't we yep. now what is important about this onion is that the deeper you go the most impactful that part will become. So the most impactful, the changes that you're making there will become as well. So when you see that the, your beliefs and your values are right in the middle, that says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. So when it comes to uh, your beliefs, those are subjective ideas of the world, of how you perceive the world, how you perceive the people around you and how you perceive yourself. And that belief system can be either empowering, that will help you get to where you want to be, or it can become quite limiting, which is hindering you, it's stopping you, it's restricting you from becoming whoever you want to be or helping you to achieve the goal that you set out to achieve. So this is where 
um, where, where limiting beliefs come from. Some ideas that used to be good, perhaps in the past, they were empowering at some point, but we kept running the same belief system while we evolved and changed in life. So the yeah. two grew apart. So then they become limiting. Life changes all the time. We change all the time. People around us change all the time. So we have to keep changing our belief system as well to fit the world where we are in or what we want to achieve in that world. So back to beliefs. It can be either empowering and be your very best friend or it can be something that completely stops you from achieving what you deserve in life. And this is when they become limiting beliefs. Sure. So how could you switch to when you're in that place and the, the beliefs are not serving you as or helping you move forward? Mm -hmm. They're stopping you from things you're perceiving that like, or maybe right now you're dreaming that that could be possible. That could be open to me. But right now you're, you're stuck in that, that belief that's saying, nah, nah, can't do it. How can we shift that? It's exactly that. It's noticing that it's happening, isn't it? Yeah. Being aware of the words that we are using with ourselves. How many times do you say that I can't do this? I just don't know how to do this. I'm not good enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. I can't earn loads of money. Uh, I don't know. All, all sorts of different beliefs are out there. So it's about having that awareness, that understanding of the words that you are using to describe yourself and the power that it has over you. Because every one of those words, whether they are at a thought level or consciously verbalized or written down, it comes out, they will have exactly the same impact on you one day. Yeah. So the, the, the word will be a great giveaway whether it is an empowering belief, it's helping you where you want to be, or is it stopping you? If I say that I look silly on camera, or I can't be on this call because this sunbeam keeps coming <laughs> into my eyes, or I don't know, I have a funny accent, so nobody will want to listen to me. I generalize this whole thing, nobody, there, will be, there won't be one person who will want to listen to me. As soon as I see the oh, but then it stops me from having a fantastic conversation with my great pal Ash. Then it is a limiting belief, isn't it? Sure. So is it helping you to get to where you want to, or is it hindering you? And if it's sure. hindering you, then you know it's most likely a limiting belief. And there are there will be some which are very, very easy to shift. You can just change the way how you start talking to yourself. Sure. Like I'm always late. You start challenging it and say that, um, no, I, yes, I do have a tendency. I have a behavior at the outer skirt of the onion. I have a behavior, a tendency to be late. However, I could wake up 10 minutes early or I could check wherever I'm going on, on Google Maps and see how long it will take me. I don't have to be and I'm not always late. So then you can change it that easily. And there will be others which are a little bit more deep rooted. Yeah. Things that we bring from our childhood, from things that people either said or we thought they said or they said something and we thought they meant that. So all the perceived yeah. things, all real things from our past. And if you find those that you can't just shake by you know, switching your conscious thought process about it, then you might want to seek for some professional help. Sure. Sure. I think some of that deep layer stuff. I mean, I, I did a post on this yesterday about that mm -hmm. childhood. The I call them echoes from the past. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. That influence you, certainly in the work that I do. You know, when people are saying, okay, I can't get on camera, mm -hmm. people are going to judge me for my accent. And. A lot of this stuff for a lot of the time is something that was said in the schoolyard, you know, when they were five, so they, maybe they got bullied or somebody made a joke, or at least they thought it was a joke, but they took it personally and it stays ingrained and, and the, these story, they, you know, once it's in there, it can start creating all sorts of stories that will be true now. 
And and one thing I often ask is when people say that, it's like, so when you're on a, a Zoom call with your clients, how many of them have said, I hate your accent? Has anyone even said anything about your accent? Well, no, they, they, they hired you because of your accent. And it, it just can, by having that awareness and being able to ask that question, it, it can shift quite quickly. You absolutely can, and I love that you ask this question of your of your clients, people that you talk to. Because, you know, I do have an accent. I know that it's not a typical Hungarian accent. It's it's a mixture of all things. I lived in Birmingham. I wrote in the states. I have my Hungarian ways, and I have my own accent. So I call it a Vanda accent. And when people do ask, they will ask um, normally very politely and don't say that I hate it. They will ask, "So where is that accent from?" And then I tell them that. Well, originally it is from Hungary, but it is my Vanda accent and I am very, very proud of it. And this is when people turn around and think differently about your accent because you own yeah. it. It yeah. is yours. You are confident with it. I'm not my accent. My accent is my environment or my behaviors. It's not sure. me. It's not my identity. So why would I put so much emphasis in it or in onto it, really? For sure. And again, as well, I think the the fact that you're not identifying with that, again, right. the conversations around that, because mm -hmm. people will be curious as well. You know, I think sometimes as well, I'm curious when I hear people and I see maybe their name is not like a, say in the UK, I meet someone, somebody's got a name I don't really recognize. I can see that it's probably from a different part of the world or at least originally. Um, if there's an accent alongside that, I'm just intrigued. I'm curious to know, okay, so where are you originally from? If if I'm not able to find that just by looking on their LinkedIn profile <laughs> or whatever. But having worked in the language space, I know a lot of people because they identify with the fact, well, I don't have a native accent. Therefore, they wrap their competence in that narrative it's like well because i don't then people might not think i'm professional they're two totally different things you see th this is such a funny thing is back in school when i was doing my gcses uh, well the equivalent of that hungarian mm -hmm. i was actually told that okay i'm going to give you a good grade just so you can get into university is that that was the requirement well please never ever ever speak english ever again <sighs> Lovely limiting belief in my mind. I made a decision that I was just going to stay home. I'm only speak Hungarian. This is it. I'm not good with languages. Very typical limiting belief. Yep. I'm not good with languages. I'm never going to live abroad. I'm never going to work abroad because that is just absolutely ridiculous. I just don't know how. I can't. I'm not capable. Well, you've been hearing me speaking for the past 40 minutes. And now I make a living using English language. And and that this is it. You can do whatever you put your mind to. And if you put your mind to those limiting beliefs, then they will become true. This yeah. is what neuroplasticity and plasticity helps you with, doesn't it? If you keep repeating the same thing, you keep strengthening those neural pathways in your brain. Or you decide to carve out new neural pathways or strengthen other neural pathways, and you keep talking about doors a lot. You keep talking sure. to yourself nicely. You change your attitude. You change your mindset. You calm your mind down. You practice mindfulness. You practice gratitude. You practice positive affirmations, whatever that will be. You can literally change your brain. But why would we stick with whatever we got earlier? That was an older version of me. Thank you. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, we're always changing, aren't we? I think that's that. I mean, literally, mm. you know, on a cellular level, we are not who we were yesterday. That's right. You know, depending on your definitions of who you are, why your brain literally is not a static organ. It's constantly evolving depending on numerous factors, some of which you, you've given. So I think it's very empowering when you realize you have a choice, a choice to write your own narrative. And you always have that. And that, that is the funny thing that people always say, or many people always say, that I don't have a choice. Well, mm -hmm. in my belief system, by you saying that you don't have a choice, you are choosing to stay where you are. You will yeah. always have choices. You may not like those choices, 
that's a very different question but you always have choices you just need to open your mind to it and if you choose not to see them then you're choosing to stay where you are and if you keep doing what we've always been doing (laughs) We're going to keep getting what we've always been getting. I think it was Albert Einstein who said that if you, you know, the first sign of madness, if you keep doing what you've been doing and expect a different result. Yeah, <laughs> it's the definition of insanity, I think, or something like that. The definition, it, yeah, but it's exactly that. You do the same thing time and time again. You have the expectation that that will change stuff. <laughs> yeah, good luck <laughs> with that. Good luck with that. But one thing I think when you do make that, when you do make that conscious decision to change things up and go, right, say, for example, you're you're now thinking, okay, I want to pursue a different career. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, whatever point you've reached, you're like, right, I'm going to go and pursue a different career. Now, one of the things that I've found really helps really really helps to bring those things into reality is habit and having clear outcomes outcomes that you can work towards so how is having clear outcomes useful in making things come into reality I'm going to use an analogy here again, which you have heard before. This is one of my favorite ones because I think it, it demonstrates it completely well. And it's not about having outcomes. It's about not having outcomes. If you don't have an outcome, you're basically a blindfolded headless chicken running around in the world looking for something you don't even know exists. But when you do have outcomes, you have a clear direction. You actually have your eyes, your ears, your heart open to whatever is happening. And what is great about having a clear outcome that with flexibility, very important, not a very rigid goal of what I want to achieve. And this is the only way I'm going to achieve it because obstacles will happen and you need the flexibility to overcome those and get to where you want to. But when when you do have outcomes, you do have a direction you are traveling towards. What you actually do there is you give again a very direct instruction to your subconscious mind that I want you to make it happen for me. I want you to look out for those opportunities, the possibilities, the ways, how I can become whatever I want to become or reach whatever I want to reach. And that's the difference. If your subconscious doesn't have an instruction, you are the headless chicken just running around, haven't a clue what you are doing. And when you do have that instruction, then your subconscious will be there and you will start noticing that, oh, there is a great relationship I could build with that person. Oh, here is a great networking group that I could go to. Oh, I didn't think about going down that route with my business, but that's actually a very good idea. Yeah. You have that flexibility and your subconscious will help you to see the opportunities. Sure. And from there, you can take the action, right? That's right. Yeah, you can't just sit on the couch and wait for the great pigeon to fly into your mouth. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's. I think that's one of the fundamental things that, like things like law of attraction, that people kind of miss out on that fundamental step. It's yes, thinking about it activates the subconscious. And it start activate activating in a way that it starts looking for evidence. Mm-hmm. That's right. But you've still got to say you, the example with a networking group. You see a, a networking group that you think, oh, that could be really good for my business, or you see a potential avenue to go down with the business. Simply thinking about it, it's not going to make it happen. Yeah, so, absolutely right. <laughs> I often am. I'm also sorry. <laughs> there he is, modest as well. Modest as well. You heard there it here, folks. You heard it here first, people. Hokey cokies. So we're just coming to the end of our time together. So yeah. before we ride off into the sunset, I know time flies, right? Time flies when you're having awesome conversations with awesome yes. people. Awesome. So if anybody's out there um, that would love to get in touch with you um, or learn more about the services that you offer, I mean, how can I get in touch with you? 
And you could find me on um, most social media platforms, but mainly on Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram at NRP. No, at NRP Vidvanda. Yeah, that's that's my handle in general. But my website is the best place, really. And that's vandavaga.co.uk. Fabulous. And all the links to get in touch with Vanda will be attached to the description of this podcast, wherever you are listening or watching it. You lucky people. So before we ride off into the sunset, Vanda, I have one final question to ask you. And that is, what is your espresso shot of confidence for our listeners? I think it's about taking confidence in the fact that just because things have been one way, they don't have to stay that way. But you have your mind again and you... Whatever you put your mind to will happen. And you get to choose what you put your mind to. And it's about you becoming confident and looking for those opportunities and actually going out there and doing something about it. Then you will become confident. Just trust your brain. Trust your brain. It's there. Neuroplasticity is there to support you. You can rewire it. Things don't have to stay the same if you don't like them. Mic drop. Love that. And <laughs> it's so true, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So thank you so much for uh, coming and having a little chat with us today. It's been awesome, Banner. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely. It's always it's always a pleasure, Vander. Always a pleasure. And um, thank you to you, our awesome listeners, wherever you are in the universe. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening or watching this to get notifications of future episodes. And as I hit the road, I bid you farewell and remind you, as always, to don't forget to be awesome.